Welcome to Obsessed Show, a podcast that is designed to inspire, featuring some of the most creative people in the world. I'm your host, Josh Miles. Let's talk about today's episode. All right, guys, today on Obsessed Show, I am chatting with founder of Venture Superfly, John Benzik. Now, this might be a little bit of a different episode for everyone today, and I'm, I'm really curious to hear from John because he is passionate about helping designers and creatives launch and create and, you know, hopefully monetize their ideas as creative products. So I know I get this question a lot from our listeners, and it's something that I've thought about. It's something I've experimented with as well. So I'm really curious to hear John's input on this idea. So without further ado, please enjoy this conversation with John Benzik. Okay, kids, all the way from Minneapolis, Minnesota, we have founder of Venture Superfly, John Benzik. John, welcome to Obsessed Show. Thank you very much, Josh. It's great to be here. We know, I feel like um, people listening won't necessarily know this, so I'll own up to it right now, but I'm feeling a little bit out of rhythm because it's actually been weeks since I've recorded an episode. So thanks for helping me get back into the zone here. Oh, absolutely. I'll, I'll do my best, but it should be a lot of fun. Well, hey, um, you know, we talk to a lot of designers and a lot of other creatives. Um, and today talking to you, this is more of someone who might be a voice of reason or someone who could help out some of the creatives and designers listening. Um, so the, the question I always start off with is I ask all of these amazing, creative, talented people to tell me about their origin story. Um, so yours may not have a design bent, of course, but I'm curious to understand how you got into this business of Venture Superfly. Like what, what brought you to this point? Oh gosh, let's see. Well, my origin story or, or my backstory, which resulted in my current role as someone that helps people and designers launch new products. I think it can be really split into two areas. One is my relatively recent history. And secondly, you know, we have my much earlier history, but in terms of my recent history, I've started a couple of consumer product companies. One was a snowboard and ski company, and the other was on a team that launched a product that boosted your energy. So we competed with companies like Red Bull Energy Drink and Five Hour Energy Shots. And with these two transformative experiences, I came to learn a lot about starting companies and launching new products from scratch. So it was just an enormous amount of learning professionally from a life perspective and, and just a lot of wisdom learned in these situations, just train loads full of insights on launching a business. Um, more functionally, as an entrepreneur, I was instrumental in all sorts of roles within a business from product ideation, market testing, design, manufacturing, setting up sales teams, doing marketing, selling to retailers, selling online, doing trade shows, just a ton of exposure that was compressed in a short time frame. And as a result, I'd become the go-to guy among family and friends on questions related to startups. And because I loved helping people on these things and I love teaching. I became more intentional in doing it. So I started consulting and advising the people on launching new products. I also, since then, was a CEO in residence at the University of Minnesota. 
I've been a part of a innovation team that helped blue chip companies like Procter and Gamble and McDonald's and Kimberly Clark and Arm and Hammer. Uh, I've been a mentor for scores of startups through TechStars and Generator startup accelerators. Um, and I'm an investor in a startup fund called Matchstick Ventures. So I've been exposed to a lot of startup and innovation activity, which I, I really love. Uh, in terms of my earlier history, and more fundamentally, I was born in an entrepreneurial household. Um, my dad had launched a couple of businesses when I was young, and even without a college degree and growing up really poor and with many things working against him, he grew a couple of businesses and sold them, which transformed his life for the better. And there's a much more enticing story there, but essentially, I was exposed to that mindset making it a part of me. And so the idea of starting my own business and the uncertainty associated with doing that uh, was something that came easier to me than others. And as I learned over time, I found that I could help others navigate uncertainty as well. And so finally, I guess, as of today, all of this has taught me how to teach others, including designers, to do three things. One is to teach them how to identify their core competence. I can't emphasize this enough, but it's just so essential and so empowering, so confidence-building to identify one's strength or a strategic forte for which to leverage and to create new value and opportunity. It's just really exciting. It can become magical. It opens up all sorts of possibilities. The second thing I do is teach them how to match that strength with a business opportunity or a business idea, whether that be a, a new product or a new service to launch. And there are ways to test this cheaply and quickly to reduce risk, and that becomes fun in and of itself. And then thirdly and finally, teaching them to actually launch a product. So whether that's helping them choose a business model helping them identifying manufacturing sources, setting up sales teams, operational capabilities, fulfillment mechanisms, customer service, everything from A to Z. So it's those three things that I help teach, and that has brought me uh, here to where I am today. So that that is indeed my, my origin story. You know, there's a, an interesting thing that um, kind of happens within particular markets, too, when I think about... Minneapolis, I think about all of the big retail presence that's there with, you know, Target and, you know, Best Buy and all these other big brands that are there. And I think about in my backyard in Indianapolis, we have kind of developed into a very business to business marketing software startup space. So it's interesting how the the place kind of comes to be part of that. So with your background in more of the outdoor products, um, is that more of what you seek when you're doing coaching or helping a startup? Are you looking for more retail physical product kind of uh, clients to coach or are you kind of all over the board when it comes to working with startups? Well, I do indeed prefer to work on projects that are consumer product oriented. That's for sure. Since I was involved in the many functions associated with those types of business models, but it's also been interesting, I think, to take the know-how from that type of business and then reapply it 
to non-consumer products companies. So essentially what I learned in the outdoor and action sports category is that the marketing skills associated with this segment can be extraordinarily refreshing and powerful within non-consumer product categories, even with business-to-business related uh, categories. So as a baseline, you get trained to be very nimble, really fast, and really creative or imaginative in offering marketing solutions to consumers. And those qualities have an even higher impact when used in non-consumer-based companies. So for example, if as a marketer, you think about how Red Bull or Volcom would approach a promotion or a marketing activity, which is very unique, how they think about those things. For example, how they create their own breakthrough events and programming. Well, using that type of thinking to cut through the clutter of competing marketing activities can be can be really powerful. So I'm curious, um, you know, I want to get more into the conversation about who should do this and what kind of things they should do and where to start. And I want to get into all of that, but I've got a couple other questions for you. Um, so you also host a podcast, right? So tell us a little bit about what the show's about. Sure. I, I have a podcast called Product Launch Rebel, where for the most part, I interview leading entrepreneurs in super cool consumer categories, such as outdoor gear, apparel, food and beverage, consumer electronics, pet products, things like that. And we have discussions basically in two areas. One is sort of addressing their personal and emotional inner life. So topics related to their motivation for starting a business, their biggest joys, their biggest frustrations in starting a business, how they've changed as a person, what they've learned most about themselves, what regrets they might have had, really revealing and insightful stuff. And uh, the second area that we discuss are, are really more functional from a pure how did they do it standpoint. So how did they learn to sell? How did they find a manufacturer? How did they raise awareness and demand for their product? How did they approach retailers for the first time? How did they raise capital? You know, things like that. How do you coach uh, a would-be entrepreneur whose greatest fear is failure? Or what if this doesn't work? Or what if I sink a bunch of money into this and invest my time and energy and we don't get somewhere? You know, what, what's, what's your take on, on those concerns? Well, generally, the first thing I do is to help them realize that they're capable. I encourage them to know that they already have right now what it takes. So together, we take inventory of their skills, experiences, interest areas, areas of deep proficiency, their strengths, which can give them confidence and optimism. It's sort of an exciting aha moment, really, at that stage in the process. And I remind them that there, there are people that have succeeded in startups, in entrepreneurship, that have far less than what they might have. So a quick example is my dad, and this is what informs my thinking on this, and I think I alluded to this earlier. He was kicked out of high school, he never went to college, his father was an alcoholic and in jail on occasion, his mother had severe mental issues, was hospitalized, and 
you know, he really had major obstacles, major personal and professional weaknesses. And he eventually grew two companies and sold them and succeeded financially beyond his wildest dreams. So there's much a much more fascinating story there. But essentially, he started with likely a fraction of what others have, but he did have other strengths, which he leveraged to his benefit. And to bring this back to designers who are typically right-brained dominant, their competitive advantage is often in the areas of things like spotting opportunity, seeing patterns that others don't see, problem-solving, value creation, storytelling, creating uniqueness, and things like that. So in a nutshell, in relation to non-designers, designers are natural innovators. They're natural value creators. So what I do is I help them understand this opportunity within themselves and find ways to apply that strength and extend their creation capability beyond simply design and into product solutions that can have an impact in the marketplace. Um, Another way I help them build confidence, I think, is I can teach them ways to source or approach other functions of a startup, maybe what they perceive as a weakness of theirs, which reduces their concern. So I can help them in things like sales strategy or operations capability or manufacturing sourcing or even raising capital, things like that. Uh, And I guess finally, the other thing I encourage them to do is to remember that they can take it one step at a time or one day at a time as an aspiring product launcher. So they don't have to become anxious about what they might initially see as a huge risk, for example. Um, There are ways to reduce risk by incrementally testing their ideas cheaply and quickly so they can validate their idea. And when there's validation, they can move forward with enthusiasm and confidence. So really at that stage... um I would imagine you're not telling many of these designers or creatives don't do it. This is where you're sitting down with them and saying, here are all the ways that you, you yourself can go further and validate if this idea has legs, if there's some product market fit, I would imagine if there are, you know, things that I need to adjust or pivot, as you said, to just kind of dial it in a little bit better. Maybe it's the audience that needs to change. Maybe it's the something in the product that you're trying to do too much too fast. Um, but, but that sounds like that's the point in the process where, um, you're more advising them on how to adjust and how to start as opposed to run away. Don't do this. <laughs> right. That's exactly right. And, and I mean, there's just so much opportunity if you take a one incremental step at a time and you don't have to spend a lot of money or take a lot of time to test some of these assumptions that you have. You know, basically listing your top core, your biggest leap of faith assumptions about these ideas. This is assuming that we go through a process to identify some of these ideas, you know, coming up a three, four, five, a list opportunity to sort of start to explore, take them one by one and sort of incrementally just talk it through for five or 10 minutes and really identify 
some very, very cheap, quick ways to see if you're on the right path. Once you start validating a little of that stuff, then you can just funnel, fuel it a little bit more with some more resources, some more, more time, some more money if necessary, but not necessarily money, and or recruit some others that might be just as interested. But to demonstrate that validation um, really gives you that confidence in making you, frankly, Josh, and maybe you experience this and see this yourself, but to a point where you can feel unstoppable, unstoppable. And again, one step at a time, quicker than you think, um, whether you have a half an hour or four, four days or two weeks working within the time frame, knowing what questions to answer um, can really get you there quickly and inexpensively at a low risk. I think there's um, kind of the the idea when designers look at designers who've succeeded in launching their own products, they look at somebody like a Shepard Fairley, or they look at um, guests that we've had on the show, Amy and Jennifer Hood, just are always launching stuff. I was talking to them the other day about all the products they've been um, experimenting with, or Aaron Draplin, who's also been on the show. I mean, it's it's easy to look at guys like that and go, well, well, they got it figured out. And you either take the stance of, well, that's just them. They have this special sauce and that's why they were able to pull it off. Or you look at it and think, well, if, if they can do it, maybe I could do it too. Um, what do you think are some of the, maybe the, the less concrete skills, maybe the, um, the softer skills or the mentalities that a designer needs to have to maybe balance this idea, right? They're not going to go everything into products immediately, but if they're going to continue to do their creative practice and they also want to launch a thing, what are some of the, um, those side hustle skills that they have to have to be able to, to spin up something like this? The first thing that comes to mind, Josh, are, are two things. One is just, just developing an attitude towards play. Hmm having fun with it and not thinking that what you're doing is going to lead to some really tough decision or high risk activity in the future. So number one, sort of looking at it playfully and, and take it from there. Um, and, and again, you're not doing anything to risk getting at that stage or it's very low risk. But the second thing is action. So the first thing of play sets you up to, hey, what do I have to lose? This is kind of fun. We don't have to shoot for the moon here, but what can we do to sort of experiment and to play with some of these ideas that I might have? So play number one, but then action number two to really um, take it one day at a time, right? Live in day-tight compartments. Just because you're doing it today doesn't mean tomorrow or in a week that you're going to be in a, in a decision to do some high risk decision. No, you can take a step at a time. But I think action is 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 so critical and something that I think p- people don't have permission to do. And, and a lot of times in my work, and, and maybe it's some of your work too with some of your clients, Josh, It's just giving them permission to do some of the things that they've never really considered. And I think that goes back to sort of my upbringing, having in the back of my mind, 
hearing yes as opposed to no, mm-hmm. right? And just hearing yes sort of over and over and, and, and not thinking that, you know, there's something to worry about or be concerned about. I mean, there will be a point when that decision has to happen, right? But everybody, I see, I think, shuts themselves down way, way before that. Mm-hmm. And it's just not necessary. And it's limiting. Yeah, I think those those limiting types of beliefs are even, um, as you and I had joked about my ski incident before <laughs> the top of the show, like I started before I left saying, I want to come back not hurt. And that was that was the wrong self-talk. Like I want to come right. back safe and healthy, not, not, not hurt. I don't want my yeah. head thinking about hurt. Um, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe a little bit of a, of a switch in, in the question line though. Um, I'm curious, I'm going to ask this in two parts. So you're welcome to tackle either or both, but I'm curious if there's a favorite, um, designer product that you've seen launched in the last 10 years, or maybe, one that you really wish you would have invested in something that, because you also operate on the investor side. So I'm curious if there's any that you're especially, um, keen or fond of, uh, that you've seen come across lately or, or one that, or, or maybe, maybe even it's the type of project that you get excited about. You know, Josh, I'm not exactly sure how to answer that question in terms of specific products or categories. But what I do have to tell you, the first thing that comes to mind is in working with people, whether I'm investing in them or guiding them or coaching them or advising them, they, you know, certain people have a quality that whether or not they succeed or not, you know that they're very intentional about it. They have sort of an X factor, if you will. And I think we all have that X factor hidden within us. But again, though, sometimes the older we get, the more that X factor sort of disappears, hmm. that playfulness, that growth of risk aversion sort of creeps into our, into what we do. And so we have to often I encourage people to just fight that. But what I'm saying here, and I don't know if I'm answering your question, but instead of a specific product or a concept or even a category of products, it's there's something within the leader in the organization, the founder, or, or, or it could be an employee of a company that, that simply has a set of qualities or a quality that makes you want to work with them and to some extent, you might say, listen, they might succeed, they might fail, but they have a, I want to work with this individual. And they come along once of every 10 or 20 people that you might be working with in launching a product or launching a business or even an intrapreneur in a, an existing company. But I think what I'm trying to say is, is they have that quality that that makes you believe in what they're doing. Um, I wish I could be more articulate about that, but we've, I think we've seen it, but if we're more aware of that concept, I think it helps each of us as individuals to find what that driving force is within ourselves. That thing that really lights us up, 
that brings that that just naturally creates followers to our message, whether it's a product or service or might be just anything, right? But we're all natural follower leaders in a particular area where we draw people to us. And, and so if these people can align what their authentic selves is, are, whatever I'm trying to say there, <laughs> with that is in line or a good fit with, with what they're focusing on as a new business or new product launch, if those things are aligned, it can become very dangerous. Now, a lot of times I'm coaching entrepreneurs in raising capital or helping, helping you develop their message to raise capital. And, you know, I've seen so many times where two or three different founders are sort of pitching a very similar thing. But one person might shine well above those people in, in, in communicating just some nuances that might be different. And it's just sort of, there's, there's an attraction to what they're saying. There's a sincerity. There's a commitment to what they're doing. And, and, and therefore, they get the money. They raise the money for what they're doing. Or they get a vendor to participate at half the cost. Or they, they, a number of other suppliers are on board where, where they don't get on board with something else, right? So there, there's a quality in the individual that has the power to attract. And, and, and I'm always looking for that. And I think, like I said, when I'm coaching teams and individuals, I'm usually trying to bring that out within that person so they can lead effectively and be a catalyst for growth themselves. You know, I think I've, I've heard that sort of axiomatic phrase before that investors don't invest in ideas, they invest in people. Um, so I'm, I'm picturing in my head, okay, there's a, you know, a, a young or energetic, um, creative who they don't know what they're going to do. They know they want to do something. They look at these other designers who've launched products and they know they've got something kicking around in there and they just haven't been able to kind of put pen to paper and figure it out. How would you encourage or where might someone who's in that headspace start to kind of figure out what their business idea might be? Are you thinking maybe starting from scratch or they might have some ideas, but they're not sure? Yeah, the maybe they've got passions, maybe things they're interested in, and they just they just don't know how to form that into something that, that might have a market that they could turn around and sell. Sure. You know, I do this fairly frequently, actually, in, in a couple of different areas. But again, and I don't mean to be redundant, but but what I do is I guide through the, through the process of sort of, again, taking inventory on some key categories of them as an individual, industries that they've worked in, their know-how that they've developed over time, their skill sets, their interests, jobs that they've had, you know, just looking at their job description kind of reminds them of the things that they do know as opposed to what they don't know. Um, again, listing their strengths, describing some of the benefits that they provide to others, whether they're family or friends or coworkers or clients, and not sort of limiting these areas or categories to just their career. So like I said, everybody has a strategic forte. Everybody has a natural expertise 
in something, and sometimes they're, you know, not in the right category. But if you sort of distill those professional and those personal, taking inventory on both of those sides and all of these things that I mentioned, maybe some of their education, um, and furthermore, the people that they really like to work with, 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 people that they really thrive in working with. I work really well with these types of people. I don't work as well with these types of people, right? In terms of where I can flourish, really add value, bring a lot of um, effectiveness to what I'm doing, a lot of productivity to a team. I know like the 80-20 rule, right? 20% of what I do delivers 80% of my results. So what I help other people define as well as kind of go through all these categories is identify 20% of what they do produces what 80% of the results. When, they help, when I help them identify that, it starts to get dangerous, right? They can identify that power. They can start applying that set of qualities to the right area and really, really start to flourish in a way that becomes much easier for them, a much higher growth trajectory and, and so on. So when you map out all these, Josh, it's hard to explain sort of via audio, but when you map out these things on a big whiteboard, let's say it's a big, imagine yourself looking at this big eight foot whiteboard, listing things in all these categories, you can start to, you know, draw and use a different color marker, draw different circles around these, these areas that really have, um, see, you can start to see how these these various aspects come together and really boil down what it is that you do best, your area of expertise in, in areas of deep proficiency that come really easy for you where you can effectively compete um, without even trying, right? It just puts you in the right category, the right garden to be cultivated for, for, for growth. Again, mapping all that out and having some sort of an outside party help guide you through that process to lead you to sort of a, a one sentence strategic um, forte statement, basically a positioning statement, if you will, that really defines what you're best at, in what category should you apply this skill or knowledge, and to what audience and to what benefit. You know, these are sort of the basics of it. Yeah, and that's, you know, it's not so different from what some of the more design thinking or strategy focused listeners are probably doing for their clients anyhow. And the difference is the tables are turned. <laughs> so instead of them coaching someone through it, you know, it's tough to coach yourself through these things, especially when there's self-doubt and, you know, mouths to feed and, and all those kinds of issues going on inside your head. Yeah. And, and there's just some really simple tools as, as, as the, you know, all designers know to, to apply, but, but to do it to themselves, it, it's, it's just so essential and so empowering. So what's your um, maybe favorite piece of advice that you've received in this space, or maybe what piece of advice do you feel like you're delivering most often to your clients that you're coaching? Yeah, I, I would just have to reiterate and, and I, hate to sound like a broken record, but, but just, can I start over on that? Sure. You know, Josh, I think just the best, best answer to that is, is to remember that you can take it one step at a time and you can, um, I'm sorry, what was the question again? 
best piece of advice, either your favorite that you've received or what you most commonly dish out to your clients? Yeah. So the best piece of advice really almost across the board, Josh, that, that I give either explicitly or implicitly and guide them through that process is you don't have to think that it's such a Herculean effort to launch a new product or to launch a new business. You know, you can take it one step at a time and you can play with it. You can have fun with it. You can be smart about it, right? But there's, it's just a list of key questions to ask yourself or to be asked and to put yourself through a process and to see you can take low risk steps to validate sort of what you're thinking. And listen, I think, and I've worked with graphic designers a lot and, and I can really relate to this. And what, what I don't want to do is squash or uh, place a burden or an obstacle on their inner desire to sort of just be a creator in general, mm-hmm. right? And, I, and that's part of why they're so good at what they do, right? right? And so to, to let that be unleashed in a, in a structured process, right? But then also while keeping that enthusiasm, um, and that energy up, sort of start to find a way to validate some of those kernels, those crown jewels that they've discovered that I can help them discover, anybody can help them discover, and, and find new trajectories, new applications for those nuggets, those crown jewels. And it becomes so empowering and so exciting. And then to think, and this is sorry to make a long story short, but, but that piece of advice is then you can see those opportunities and find really easy ways within a week or two to test those ideas, to get feedback on those ideas, to see if you're on the right path or not. You don't have to take the, the you don't have to assume that it's going to be this big, big step. I think that's what kills a lot of momentum. And that's what I love to do is sit down and say, no, after we've been through this hour or two or three process is identify these nuggets, look at some really cool applications that light them up and then to don't put the brakes on there, but say, look for $50 or a hundred dollars, not 10,000, not 40,000. We can test this idea or maybe it's just a matter of time and not money. And within two weeks you have 30 feedback pieces or a thousand to say whether you're on the right path or not. And then you can make a pivot here and there if necessary. But it's in, in essence, the answer is it, it's not nearly as gnarly as you think. You can do it cheaply, quickly with as much enthusiasm as you had from the beginning. Well, hey, John, before we wrap up here, I've got to ask you a question that I ask all of the guests on the show here. And your answer can be literally anything. doesn't have to be necessarily something that's design or startup related. But I'm curious, what is it that you find you're most obsessed with right now? Gosh, that's a really easy answer for me. (laughs) Um. I'm hesitating to say it because it sounds lame, but without trying to edit my thoughts, here's the deal. I can't help but see the potential in people. And when I started my one or two businesses, it was my, my reason for launching those businesses were not 
to make money necessarily, not to launch this product and put it out in the world. But I have to tell you, my secret is because I wanted to provide growth opportunities for others that could help take other individuals along with me to grow as human beings and to um, do the best work of our lives and really make our transform what we can do and, and how we think, how effective we are and just living your life to the fullest, right? Um, that sounds so cheese whiz, but it really <laughs> is. I, it's just something that I, that I get really excited about and what drives me more than anything is to provide a vehicle, either if I'm launching my own business or advising and coaching others. When I look at somebody, because again, Josh, what I saw growing up, you know, be experiencing, you know, seeing my dad, no college degree, just go well beyond his wildest dreams. When I see other people with, with three times the on paper skill sets that he had, I know people can do that. But what they don't have is that process to go through to identify what that core competence, that growth force, that creative engine that deep area proficiency that people that people have and to leverage that. So that's it. Cool. Well, I hope that's um, inspirational for someone listening today, maybe for lots of someone's listening. Um, and if they have other thoughts or questions for you, where's a good place to find you on the interwebs and how can our listeners get connected? Sure. Well, you can visit my website at venturesuperfly.com. And in particular, VentureSuperfly.com forward slash designers. Um, but also my podcast, Product Launch Rebel, Product Launch Rebel on iTunes and or any, any other source for your podcast. Awesome. Well, we'll be sure to link to all of those in the show notes today. We've had John Benzik here, founder of Venture Superfly. John, thank you so much for being on the show today. And thank you for being obsessed with design. Josh, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you very much. Okay, kids, that's show number 134 in the books. For all of today's show notes, head over to obsessedshow.com. And if you haven't already while you're there, add your email address to our newsletter. I'll update you on some of my favorite new episodes and some cool things I find in my daily obsessions. Of course, all the links are over at obsessedshow.com to all the places you can find this show, iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Spotify. So no matter where you find your podcasts, chances are you can listen to Obsessed Show from there. Just head over to obsessedshow.com. The Obsessed Show is produced by yours truly, Josh Miles. To have me speak or MC at your next event, head over to joshmiles.com to learn more. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.